0: I postponed initially, and I asked him to give me two weeks with no contact because I just needed that space. Yes, why? I couldn't get Mm -hmm. clarity if he was still, if he and I were still in constant communication the way engaged people are. And the first couple days were brutal, and I still missed him. Of course, I, I missed the idea of us, the idea of what my life was going to look like as a married woman soon. And but within a few more days. I remember it was very visceral. I remember feeling like I could finally breathe again. Mm, So again, getting to that somatic element of, I had so much energy and and tension and so much, forcing so much to move forward that wasn't meant to move forward, that once I'd let that go and gotten some space, I remember being like, I can
1: breathe. (laughs) Mind, body, spirit.
0: Welcome to Love & Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril, here with my co-host,
1: Pastor Elliot Anderson,
0: and Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy,
1: and biblical truth to
0: help us thrive in love and life. We're kicking off the new year with a series on engagement, and we started the series in what may seem like an unlikely way. Before we discuss the key topics to address and the critical conversations you need to have with your fiancé, we first want to ask you a very hard question. Should you actually be engaged in the first place? We had to start here because we can't build the foundation for a healthy, strong, fulfilling marriage if we aren't building this foundation with the right person. And I should know because I myself am a former runaway bride— And due to this experience, I see things differently. Of course, I'm always happy when couples get engaged, but I also know that many times proposals are made and accepted for all the wrong reasons. Elliot and I continue our conversation on how to know if you should actually be engaged in the first place right after this. So over Christmas, I was talking with an in-law about various topics and healthcare came up. I mentioned how sad it is that so many of us have completely lost faith in our medical system. She looked a little confused and said, don't you trust your doctor? And I replied, I don't really have a doctor and no, I wouldn't trust him if I did. So as you all know, Elliot and I had a very anti-establishment father, college professor who questioned everything and he taught us to do the same. And he was especially skeptical of the symbiotic relationship between big pharma and physicians. And now after COVID, whatever shred of trust I may have still had is long gone. I'm not alone. In fact, 40% of Americans say they would avoid a doctor or a hospital unless they needed acute for a catastrophic emergency. But what are we going to do if we get sick? Where can we turn? Thankfully, courageous, dissident doctors remain committed to their Hippocratic oath in the midst of the censorship and unconstitutional MRNA mandates of the last several years. They've come together to form the Wellness Company to create a much-needed parallel healthcare system. Our dad always told Elliot and me to take charge. And one way we can take charge of our health is with the wellness company's medical emergency kit. It comes with eight potentially life-saving medications to get us through whatever the next thing is that gets thrown our way. You'll have antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics to help keep you and your family safe. The medical emergency kit includes a comprehensive guidebook so you never have to guess how much to take or when to take it. To get your medical emergency kit, go to twc.health lovelife and use code lovelife to save 15% at checkout. That's twc.health lovelife and use code lovelife, all one word, for 15% off. It's hard also to share a lot of this because your friends might be like, Hey, we're married. Hurry up and get married so we can all do the couples things together. Yeah. Or you're- f-
1: It's so amazing. There's never any right. frustration or pain or you're like, oh.
0: Or your family mate, yeah. not even meaning to not be honest with you, might just be like, yeah, but it's time. And you know, some parents put a lot of pressure on, on daughters and sons. Like you're in your thirties now. It's time to settle down. And the parents maybe aren't even, they don't care that much. As long as it's a solid enough human, then that's fine. So we have to be careful about those other voices.
1: Ironically, that leads into my second major point. Perfect. You talked about incongruence. My second one is the response of family and best friends. Because if there's not a universal, pretty strong exhortation of positive joy with your future marriage, you need to take that into strong consideration. Now, we we've done a whole thing systemically about not letting your parents run your life and your best friends make your decisions. But if there's not at least a general sense of oh, great fit, this makes total sense. I thought it was going to happen. You guys are going to do awesome. If it's more like your girlfriend like pulls the car over and throws up and then starts you know crying and tears and I can't believe this because he's not good to you. He's mean to you. You know. Whoa, I didn't even know you felt any of this, Mm -hmm. right? So, those responses from mom and dad, siblings, and of course, there's going to be occasional jealousies and other things that are come out, but that's why I'm saying a generalized, what's the generalized perception of your core seven people? Mm -hmm. If there's not six out of seven feeling pretty good about it, that is definitely worthy of pause and reflection.
0: Mm -hmm. And again, it bears repeating, it's going to be harder if you two are Good enough. Because yep. they're going to go, yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a solid match. Two mm-hmm. solid citizens just partnering through life together, going to raise some cute babies and, and produce more solid citizens. So it's going to be harder <laughs> if there's not,
1: not... Don't make me laugh. You're going to get my cold going. <laughs> the goal is not solid well, Right. But see,
0: again, it's going to be harder. And I agree with you at the same time, sometimes... As a a friend, I've learned sometimes I say something and then it's not very well received and then I'm the one who gets kicked to the curb. (laughs) My friend's going to do what she's going to do anyway. And so sometimes friends may not be willing to share honestly because they're like, well, she's going to do it. This train is leaving the station and I don't want to be on the outs just because I was authentic about my assessment.
1: So just like we talked about with estrangement on previous episodes before Christmas, and by the way, I'm 180 pages in the book now. It's awesome. Oh, cool. Thanks for recommending yeah. it. But just as we talked about estrangement not being like the goal, <laughs> right? We don't, we don't want to, to come to a point in our life where we're severing relationships based on our decisions or our difference in opinions. And so again, if you're the bride or groom-to-be, and you feel like you have to sever relationship with your best friends or your brother or sister or mom or dad, because that's the only way you can move forward into your marriage... That alone should be a triple red flag. Again, there could be some little jealousies. There could be some different avenues and variables. And maybe you have an 11-year-old sister who is just grieving that you're not going to be. I remember when my boys cried after Uncle Brock's wedding. And we're like, wow, they're not very emotional in the first place, So unless it's a sporting event. So why are they worked up? And they were saying, because Uncle Brock's not going to live with us anymore. Mm -hmm. So for their little brain, it was just had nothing to do with Aunt Vanessa. It had to do with... Brock had been living with us, prepping for his marriage and leaving. And so outside of that kind of thing, if the boys were like 19 or 20 and went to Brock, said, dude, this woman ain't right. What's up with you? You know, you at least hear it out and not get defensive right away. And like, well, if you can't support me, then I'm done being your uncle and blah, blah, blah. Right. We just get so reactionary when we really need to pause, receive, listen. We might disagree, but do we really want to sever a relationship as an uncle or aunt or a cousin Simply because someone who loves us says, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that fine line, right? Back and forth. I totally get your point. Sometimes we know people are intense and maybe even volatile. And if we address an issue or bring it up, there's a chance it might alter the relationship. But so will a crappy marriage and someone who's getting mistreated hurt. That's That's a big deal also.
0: So do you recommend someone who's having this uncertainty, sitting down with their seven most intimate, trusted friends and family members and saying... What do you think? Getting that?
1: Oh, that'd be a great way to do it. Yeah. Man, if you have the self-awareness and the courage, right. maybe you don't do all seven together because depending on how assertive and opinionated the family is, that could be a 12-hour adventure. But maybe go to each one of them. You know, maybe If you want to do mom and dad together or sibling group together or something or cousins or roommates together, that's fine, but that would be super valuable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ask that question all the time especially when it's people who have come onto the into the counseling consulting realm with me through this podcast, so they're not close. Mm-hmm. Texas, California, mm-hmm. Toronto, wherever they are. When they're talking to me about, hey, I'm reaching out because I'm not sure about this relationship. I'm not sure it's worthy of marriage. I'm not sure I should stay married. Whatever the scenarios are. Sometime in that first hour, I'm asking them, tell me what your best friends feel. Mm-hmm. Tell me what your mom's feeling about this. I need to hear mm-hmm. it. It's going to give me a ton of insight. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's like, oh man, they are just... Devastated for me and mm-hmm. think this is the worst thing in the world, and so scared and want me to get out. And I'm like, So, how are you responding to that? Right? That gives me insight. Other times it's like, No, they're 100% for it. They believe in this guy or this gown. They think we need to get some work. They encouraged us. They're paying for this for me to get this consultation mm-hmm. from you. Right? So, we're hearing those differences again. Mm-hmm. Someone's investing in it and say, Hey, there's good stuff here. Let's work on this. Others saying, Oh my gosh, this is dangerous. Get out. But if we ignore those voices completely, boy, that's that's risky.
0: Well, it's a really valuable resource that we're just not availing ourselves of, and it's
1: and it creates in law tension almost guaranteed the rest of your your life. That's that's not fun to deal with.
0: You're saying if
1: if they blatantly say we don't think this is right or that right. person's not good for you, they hurt you. Right. They, you know, you were on your way to pre med, almost done, and now you stopped, and you're working at Kinko's or Pet Smart, and just you know gave up all your goals, all your dreams, all your visions, things you had talked about since you were a little kid, and right, all those warning things that parents recognize.
0: Our satisfaction and joy in life is directly related to our satisfaction and joy in our relationships. Elliot and I are here to help. We'd love to design a workshop, seminar, or weekend retreat for your organization. We'll bring the psych research, of course, along with over 60 years of combined experience in psychotherapy. We'll share science-based therapeutic techniques within the context of a Christian worldview. We can level up in our relationships. Contact our producer, Tim May, at tim at loveandlifemedia.com to book us.
1: So I think our first point was just that incongruence. The second point was then... Family, friends, maybe, I think we just narrowed it down to like your, your top seven peeps, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Including some family member, if you have good family mm-hmm. relationships. If you don't and you're completely on the outs with your entire family, I'm not going to necessarily take their opinion as gold.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it'd still be nice to at least have some family members, at least one or two longevity people mm-hmm. in that group. Well, right. yeah,
0: and I remember when I called off my engagement, there were friends who then felt permission to say things mm-hmm. like, hey, he, we loved him, we love you, just didn't love you guys together. Didn't see yes. that spark. Yeah.
1: That's a nice safe way to yeah, say something to And that's
0: you. fair. Mm-hmm. And that's fair. Yeah. And I I, th- I think that could have been mentioned when I was engaged. Not that it's their job to derail me. That was my job yeah. to extricate myself from something I wasn't supposed to be in. And I remember dad saying that he loved him but just didn't see that spark and that chemistry. You know, mom and dad were always about mm-hmm. that. I was as a child, they would they kind of make comments about some couples that really had that za Zoo. I don't know how they framed Mm -hmm. it, but like had that chemistry, that thing that's kind of indescribable. And then those that didn't. And I think it's kind of related to what we're talking about here.
1: Yeah. There's the the intangibles and the aura of a relationship, right? And I have couples come in in crisis and I can see they're going to make it. Just by the way they walk up to the door, are they holding hands still even in the midst of a crisis? Is there genuine deference to personality and temperament and kindness and affection, even in the middle of a storm that tells me they had a really good shot of making right. it. When they come in and they're literally giving each other daggers with their look and their nonverbals, right. I'm like, Phew. so I think, I think what mom and dad were talking about, what you're talking about, I'm talking about is there is an aura,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? You can walk into people's homes and go, Oh, their marriage is in good shape. <laughs> no one's talking about the marriage. Yeah. You can walk into another one and go, wow, mm-hmm. there is trouble here. There is intensity and tension that is palpable. I can taste their pain. So I think that's what you're talking about. And those are important factors again. Well,
0: and I don't know what your number three is, but I'm going to give us a number three here. You give it to us. (laughs) Because we've been talking about it before. If you know yourself, and that's why we always focus so much on that independent, that, that part of us that needs to work on our mind, body, spirit as the individual with our relationship with God. So that we can be the strongest partner in partnership is two strong individuals. When I say strong, I mean full and and understanding who we are. The more I understand who I am, the more I understand who I'll connect with well. And so I think, like you talked about earlier, and I said, I started realizing during that engagement that the way I'm wired, I didn't want to get married and then always wonder, what if? Mm -hmm. What if I had waited for that deep, intense chemistry, that deep, intense being seen and fully loved and that that sexual chemistry and excitement that I loved my ex fiance but I didn't feel that in love that was a distinction that was important mm-hmm. to me and became sure. a, a deal breaker
1: Absolutely. And should. For
0: me, it should. I don't. Again, to your point, maybe not for everyone, but for me, knowing myself, who wants to live and at 80 years old, look back on your life and be like, yeah, we had some lovely children and that's wonderful. People do it. And yeah, I'm not a mom. So I, I missed out on that. And that's something I'm very mm-hmm. sad about. Like, that's a deep Absolutely. pain point. But I, I just knew myself. I couldn't look back on my life and go, yeah, I had a good enough marriage. It was, I wanted to be... I wanted it to be epic. I just knew that that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And so I had to make choices and decisions and movement in my life toward that.
1: Yeah, we were also trained for that, right? We were trained. It it better be amazing or don't do it. And so (laughs) for you in regards, so mom and dad, even though Angie and I fought like cats and dogs, even when we first started dating, mom and dad were like, marry or marry as fast as you can. I'm like, wow. Well,
0: because you had that thing, that that intensity. Right,
1: Scott and Kelly, they were like, Scott and Kelly, like, oh man, number one, just You've been such an idiot before. Get this done and get moving. Right. So all my main group, Todd and Mark, are the ones who set the whole thing up. Right. So again, there's just that difference nuance about what do your friends and family say? And they know you sometimes better and you know yourself. And when we get to the early marriage versus late marriage,
0: which the conversation, which which
1: will be so good because I have so much ready for you. <laughs> Not that you're right and I'm wrong or I'm wrong. Right. And you're wrong but just that sense of the when you're getting married early like like I did 21 you better trust your friendship group and your family even more cuz you don't know you you haven't even finished your own identity right Right. But those guys knew me in the really rough and raw times and knew that at least the basic chemistry connection, spirit temperament worked. And they saw it instantly and said, don't be an idiot.
0: And they had history with you. That's where you're talking about this longevity piece. They had history to see you in other relationships and go, oh, wow, this is a very, this is a 180 from what he was in that was unhealthy and not working and no one's thriving in that. And now this is. So...
1: That's why in that seven, we gotta make sure there's at least one longevity. But yeah. get to your number three, because we start talking, you never got oh, your I number did. three. I get the,
0: the number three was knowing yourself to know how you're wired and what you will be thinking in when you're eighty. Mm-hmm. To know is loving enough and you've said it, it's definitely not enough, is in love, is that important enough that it's gonna be a deal breaker. And let me give one more example from my own experience. Mm-hmm. I remember after calling off my engagement, I dated a couple other people, and the one guy you met, again, it was down that same road, super perfect on paper. He loved the Lord. We had all the commonalities in in place. But I remember, again, trying to give give us some space to let that love, Mm -hmm. that, that excitement grow. And I remember after about six, seven months, I'm like, it's just not growing. It's not there. I'm not feeling that intensity. And I remember, here's me with my hypotheticals, probably why I stayed single till 42, because I couldn't get out of my head, but I remember thinking, we're going to get married, we're going to have some children, and then I'm going to have a daughter, and she's going to be 25, and she's going to fall madly in love with someone, and I'm going to see that spark and that chemistry that she has, that Mm. I deeply desired, but didn't get, Mm. and then I'm going to go, I'm jealous of my daughter.
1: Maybe you're saying the lens is the legacy love. Maybe you're saying you need to look out and cast out to picture yourself where you are now, 20, 30, 40, whatever year old you are, and you're evaluating, is this man or woman the right one for me? I need to look into the future and look backwards and see retroactively how I'm feeling. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's what I'm
0: saying. And I don't know if that's useful for everyone, but for me, it definitely helped me get that clarity because I thought I am not going to be the person who's going to be looking around at other couples in love and being jealous of them. Because I quote-unquote settled. I hate saying settled because that sounds like like I'm saying something no, mean No, because both those guys
1: head. you're talking about were really quality yeah. guys. So we're not yeah. being a, a criticism of them. But we're talking about that idea. I guess I could see this with many couples. They even talk about it sometimes in premarital. We're excited about growing old together. Yeah. You normally have to have a really strong bond and connection to think about that. Because if we look at the realities of what it's like to be in your 80s together, married for 50, 60 years... There's a lot of pain and hurt there, right. a lot of loss, a lot of grieving, a lot of, all the people around you've died, your own health's gone, all yeah. those things right, are not gone, but it's waning, right. right? So that's maybe fitting what you're talking about a little bit in this need to look forward or to envision. And if you're not able to envision what that might look mm-hmm. like down the road, maybe that's a sign that you either need to consider it or wonder about the connection and commitment.
0: If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body and spirit, we're here for you.
1: Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions.
0: Or sign up for one of our support groups.
1: Purchase one session or a multiple session package.
0: We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com. So what's your number three?
1: Well, I didn't have one going now. If I had to come back, I'd probably bring the spiritual peace in. Yeah, and so my number three would probably be peace and what scriptural peace means. Not just the peace, I'm not anxious, I'm not worried, but like the peace that God affirms this. Mm. That God looks down on this relationship, this couple, and says, oh, I'm ordaining this. Mm-hmm. In Matthew 19, when Jesus is being asked about marriage and he tells them about the, the law of Moses' divorce, he finishes it up by saying what God has brought together, let no man asunder. And you're like, wait a minute, what's God have to do with my marriage? Well, in certain elements of scripture and in Calvinistic theology, if we think God is sovereign over all things and all decisions and all movements, in some regard for Christians, God puts you together. And so if God did put you together, do you have that sense of spiritual peace? This man or woman is right for me, is good for me. And one of the assignments I give young couples, which often helps them start to look forward to this element, the spiritual element of the relationship is put together a marital mission statement. I
0: love that. Love why it. did
1: God bring you together? Why did God bring you together? Love not it. just for you two, but what does it mean? What is this, mm-hmm. you know, for Angie and I, it was all about the education and kids mm-hmm. and joining and foster and adoption and, right? So how? why did God bring you together rather than just thinking, oh, we're so in love and mm-hmm. sex is so amazing and we can't wait to go live on a farm and do whatever. Okay, it's not about you, right? Our life and God is for Him. So why did... If we're going to have a marriage in Christ, it must be for Christ. So therefore, why did God bring you together? And do you feel that spiritual peace mm-hmm. to do ministry together? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to have a profession in the church or a mm-hmm. mission work, but to do ministry, mm-hmm. loving, caring, supporting for others, that would be my number three.
0: I love that. And I can say to that again, from my experience, I remember praying to God, like God, something doesn't quite feel right, but I can't put my finger on it as we've talked about. I'm going to move forward. If this isn't right, you're going to have to derail it. Mm. And I don't know, that sounds like a Gideon in the fleece kind of thing. I don't know why I put that in God's hands, but I did. And you could say, well, eventually you woke up and called it off. So I guess you derailed it. But of course, I, I didn't do it. God finally yeah. gave me enough courage or gave me enough honesty with myself. I mean, it was always God. Because otherwise, I yeah. would have probably just kept, I always think of it as like, I was working so hard to make it work and to be mm-hmm. good with it. It was like when you try to keep a beach ball underneath the water and eventually it's like I'm coming up. This beach ball is yeah. coming to the surface. And that was God. But I, so it's interesting like I didn't have the peace, so I gave it to God. And at that moment I didn't I didn't have the strength mm-hmm. to do anything about it.
1: He made it so evident that you had to do it, right? You right. knew you had no other option eventually, and that's when we sometimes take the lack of peace we feel spiritually and put that into action. And then as much as it was sad and painful and embarrassing, then you had peace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had so much peace, you're like, holy cow, I need to write about this.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? And so that's another sign that you were obeying the Lord's movement and saying, hey, this man's a good man. He's going to be a good husband and father someday. For somebody, it's not supposed to be you, so don't mess up my will.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Submit to me. Call this thing off. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. And Danny Ray showed up a little bit later. <laughs> a
0: little bit. Right? So those <laughs> things,
1: those things are part mm-hmm. of it. So I think you are speaking to that peace, even if we don't understand God's Word or have this deep theological faith foundation, if you just say the prayer you did, Mm -hmm. uh, God will answer. He did. Lord, help me have this peace. Help me move forward in this direction or make it evidently clear that I can't. And then once you get to that abundance of I can't or I can, Mm -hmm. then respond accordingly.
0: And to that point, you mentioned some couples that have postponed and then gotten back together and, Mm -hmm. and it's worked or moved forward. I postponed initially and I asked him to give me two weeks with no contact because I just needed that space
1: yes yeah, why I
0: couldn't get mm-hmm. clarity if he was still if he and I were still in constant communication the way engaged people are and the first couple of days were brutal and I still missed him of course I I missed the idea of us the idea Absolutely. of what my yeah. life was gonna look like as a married woman soon and but within a few more days, I remember it was very visceral. I remember feeling like I could finally breathe again. Mm -hmm. So again, getting to that somatic element of, I had so much energy and and tension and so much, forcing so much to move forward that wasn't meant to move forward, that once I'd let that go and gotten some space, I remember being like, I can
1: breathe. (laughs) Mind, body, spirit.
0: Yes. So I wanted to bring that element to the conversation.
1: Oh, it's great. And your friend you mentioned earlier, Panic attacks before the wedding aren't good. That's not a good sign that, oh, I'm just so excited. (laughs) Yeah, maybe there's some reality of it's a huge deal and there's natural fear, But and maybe you've struggled with panic attacks before. So I'm not trying to tell someone if you have one now before marriage, you've had a hundred other previous, it might not happen. I'm not saying that, but it's still something that's worthy. We better get into the bottom of this and see what's going on. Because if I got nonstop headaches or nonstop stomach aches, Ever since we got engaged, I've had couples sometimes tell me, ever since I I said yes, I've been sick. Well, we got to walk through that. It's three months now. Mm -hmm. You've been sick Mm -hmm. since you said yes. We need to evaluate whether yes is Mm -hmm. right. And then I throw out the things you were talking about. It doesn't mean that person's wrong, but maybe the connection's wrong. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Maybe it's just not right. You know, two wonderful, I tell this to my classes all the time, and I think it helps them give a different purview. Two wonderful Christian people who get together. You don't have to get married. Mm -hmm. There's this concept on these small Christian campuses that, well, if we love God and we love each other, we should get Mm -hmm. married. No, you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we'd marry everybody and just be a bunch of polygamy, right? So it has (laughs) nothing to do with that. There's got to be everything that's there that's necessary and essential to make it great. And so one of the couples I'm marrying in June, she was one of the students who came to me and said, he loves the Lord. I love the Lord. We love each other, but something's not right. I don't know if I should be in this. I'm like, you probably shouldn't. Yeah. Because I trust you as a person, you're very mature in your faith. And so I would make the decision to break up and at least separate for a while and think through this before you do get engaged. And once they had that little separation break, just like you, she felt completely different, knew it was wrong and got out. Mm -hmm. And now she's engaged to someone else. And it's great.
0: (laughs) To wrap this up, I can say I have a vantage point that many people don't. I've been engaged to a person that wasn't the right fit. And I've been engaged to a person who, interestingly... Should have, on paper, been a lot rougher engagement because he was divorced and there were three children. So now I step into stepmom world. I live in Chicago. He lives in northwest Indiana. I'm going to move from the city to the country to a community where he raised his children and everyone knows each other. And there's this city girl who's going to show up. And a million elements should have made that engagement much harder, much more difficult Mm -hmm. and full of tension. And yet it was not at all that.
1: It was... Because it was congruent? Yeah. It was peaceful, and your family and friends were like, yes. yes
0: this is the connection. Your, bro- your
1: brother said yes over the phone when you're at the restaurant. Contemplations in, in the restaurant bathroom when Dan called you out. I'm like, yes, that's what I've been waiting to hear from one of, your, one of the guys you're dating. Someone kind and gentle, but also firm enough and accountable enough to say, hey, I want to date you exclusively and only you. Can you step up the table with me? And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you said, yep, and the rest is history.
0: We'd love to connect with you further via our weekly newsletter. Joining the Love & Life family gets you first access to bonus content and flash sale pricing for books and consultations.
1: And when you sign up, you'll receive Karen's Empowered Dating Playbook or My Empowered Marriage Playbook. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com to join the Love & Life family.
0: All right, Elliot, incongruence is a red flag. If you are not getting... The majority of the people closest to you are in full support. So we're talking about roughly seven people who are, who know you best and love you most. Mm-hmm. And then third, that peace, that peace element, and certainly the spiritual peace that's God given is a is a factor for if you're a godly person and, and in faith, that is going to be huge.
1: Yeah, all three of those are intertwined anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're not feeling because you don't peace.
1: have peace, you're not going to feel congruence, right. and if you your family's furious and thinks it's terrible. You're going to not be congruent or happy. So they're all intertwined together, but I think they have enough separateness that, you know, notice I phrase them in the positive side, not the negative right away. All
0: right. I will switch them. They're not red flags. We will call them something else.
1: That's right. We'll call them, we're looking for the green flag. All right. <laughs> all right, Lord, thank you for this time to talk about what it's like in the engagement world. Karen's story, how you did teach her and show her and reveal to her and she obeyed and followed that will. Will your will, we know now retroactively, of course, retrospectively, but also for herself and uh, being honest and true to herself. So thank you, Lord, for all those who have uh, wrestled through these types of steps, those who might be considering it right now. Something just feels a little off or something feels awesome and they feel free to move forward. Just give our listeners great sermon and wisdom. May your peace that passes understanding be evident and clear. And give them truth tellers and longevity friends that can support, affirm, or raise some questions and considerations and that if our friends are fearful to do that, that we'd be willing to sit them down and ask them, hey, what do you think? I'm ready to possibly get engaged or become a spouse to this person. I want to seek your blessing uh, to be open and raw enough and accountable enough to do that. So bless those, Lord, in whatever stage of life and uh, engagement they are. Those who are married and struggling, those who are doing wonderfully, we just pray for your blessing. Amen.